This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 236. I have back on the show uh, one of the uh, rare uh, cases of a triple guest. So Kirsty Worth has been on the show a couple of times in the past, and if you take a listen to today's show and you want to dive deeper into our inner world and a ton of nerdy stuff about our gut bugs, what they do, parasites, brain plasticity. These are the spaces that Kirsty plays. And the first two shows are number 42 and number 58. But nearly 200 shows later, she is back with me. And we are doing a month now on environmental toxins. And, you know, we had the wonderful Dr. Sandeep Gupta on talking about mould again. Uh, I did a show last week with some pointers, ideas and tips to help you lead your low-tox life in various areas. And uh, we have Dr. Beth O'Hara back on the show next week uh, talking about detoxification and bio-individual detoxification. So something that I really wanted to cover as a part of this month was not just the environmental toxins that we are surrounded by or we might use in our products or be exposed to through food or uh, personal care, cleaning products, textiles, etc., but actually the inner environmental toxins. So what is happening in our inner environment, in our digestive tracts, etc., that could be either producing or having a an effect of an environment that allows environmental toxins in our inner world to pl- proliferate. And we're talking about things like sulfides, LPS, uh, we're talking about beta-glucuronidase malfunction, uh, some things that you can really drill down into if you've tried all your basic lifestyle things, but you're not feeling better and you're at the point where you want to work with a practitioner and start to look at testing, we talk about all of that stuff today. And we also talk about budget-friendly solutions because I think this is a really important thing, especially in a chronic health picture where often people have spent hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars trying to get to the bottom of things for their health and not getting anywhere. Uh, Kirsty is one of those people who I know always has some stones to show you that haven't been turned yet uh, and to hopefully maybe find some answers. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. I always learn things when I catch up with Kirsty, and I'm sure you shall too. Before we hook into that, I want to remind you that we are running a bonus round of Golotox this year. 
Uh, quite a few people reached out, let me know that you had missed out in the February, March round and you begged me, you said, I don't want to wait till October. Please, can you do another one? So I'm doing one in June, June 7, we're going to kick off. All the details are in the show notes if you want to jump into the next round of Golo Talks. If you would like me as your personal coach over five weeks to ask questions and workshop things that are challenges for you as you make your swaps uh, across every possible aspect of leading a low-tox life, then head to the show notes and join. Otherwise, you can just head to lowtoxlife.com, hit the courses tab in our uh, main menu, and then you'll see low-tox, uh, Go Lotox right there for you to jump in. Uh, I want to continue to uh, share a couple of fantastic low-tox brands that I absolutely love uh, as I have been each week this month. Uh, and the first one that I want to talk to you about is one of my favorite online retailers, uh, founded by Tracy Bailey over a decade ago now, a real pioneer in the low-tox space. Uh, before it was cool, before everybody was um, helping people make low-tox swaps, Tracy was right there doing it. And in her, the infant stages of Biome, as a very local business, it was one of my great joys in establishing the low-tox life community to help connect my community to her amazing store. The ethics are out of this world. Uh, their commitment to the environment, people and planet is uh, second to none in the on online retail low-tox space. And Biome have a special offer of 10% off site-wide. Uh, so there are a couple of little terms and conditions like that doesn't uh, include shipping and obviously one per person, but there's no minimum spend. Uh, it's not valid for like things that are already discounted and things like that as well. So you have 10% off on the Biome store and your code is GOLOTOX2021 to make the most of that for the rest of May. And uh, a second business that I really love, I know quite a few of you have bought mattresses from these wonderful people. We've bought our pillows from there and they're divine, uh, great latex pillows. Uh, and you actually have 10% off latex mattresses and pillows and low wool pillows from The Natural Bedding Co. They're a Sydney-based company, but they are Australia-wide. And your code is NATBEDLOTOX, NATBEDLOTOX uh, for The Natural Bedding Co. And they've got some gorgeous linens and other things. And when we actually went and stayed in the exhibition Passive House, of the past show guest Blue Eco Homes, uh, the, uh, they had Merrilise had decked out the entire house in natural bedding, co linens, mattresses, and pillows, and uh, it was the first time ever that I didn't I knew I didn't need to travel with my pillow because I knew it'd be super comfortable, and it was it was beautiful. So um, I definitely urge you to go and check out the Natural Bedding Co website as well. So make the most of those low tox swaps, Aussies. And uh, let's hook into this wonderful conversation with Kirsty Worth all about the inner toxins in our body, how to know whether these might be a problem with you and what to do when they are. Enjoy. Hello, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really well. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. You're one of my triple star guests. That means you've been on the show three times now. Oh, my goodness. I feel like <laughs> I just 
hold a hat trick in a cricket match. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's sometimes there are just guests that there's just so much to talk about. And I think we've got to talk again. And it's actually been probably about three years since we've spoken on the show. So um, that is more than enough time to have passed. And as I was putting together this environmental toxin month, it just occurred to me that I had never really done a show and yet I'm so fascinated by it. I know a lot of people are as well on inner environmental toxins and uh, and what the effects are, what we can do, how do we know that's even impacting our health? Uh, and um, yeah, so here you are. Here I am. And the timing's perfect because when we spoke three or four years ago, however long it was, this new understanding of the metabolites that our gut creates, the toxins that our gut creates, Yes, there was lots of knowledge around that, but it has exploded even more. So the timing is beautiful for us to delve into this and understand that, you know, could it possibly be that it's nothing to do with the outside environment? You've gone through every checklist when it comes to, is it in the walls? Is it this? Is it the mold? Is it some, you know, fragrance or perfume? Could it actually be that you're creating it yourself? Your body's creating a toxin. Yeah, and I think what it's looking like is that it's often a combination of both and it's also what we're initially exposed to outside that then impacts inside that then sets off a ton of chain reactions and this is where people can end up in these chronic pictures uh, which, of course, as you know, both of us have and are in constant state of recovery, (laughs) if you like, because there's re-exposures and all that kind of thing that one has to deal with. So um, I'm really excited to crack on and uh, into this topic. So what do we really mean? You mentioned the word metabolites, a little name drop there to start with. Uh, And I really want to speak so that people who have absolutely no scientific background at all really feel confident understanding why we're talking about this and what the impact could be for them. So what are the inner environmental toxins that we need to know about yeah so I, I love that you said let's go the plane speak because I could I, it's just my favorite thing to do and um, as we talked off air I'm actually putting together a paper or research presentation about this to teachers to speak to children about this exact topic and the discussion about the fact that we have superheroes and we also have arch nemesis in our gut So we can really see it like that. We've got these metabolites, which are basically the compounds that our bacteria make via that fermentation process. We eat a food, goes down, it gets fermented by bacteria, and that compound is called a metabolite. Now, that metabolite is either your superhero and it can absolutely work for you to help with your neurotransmitters. It can help to keep you balanced and stable or it can be your arch nemesis and it can cause a massive, you know, system-wide inflammation, so a systemic inflammatory response. So what those metabolites are, we need to get to know. And that's where the space has changed with regards to testing and we'll get onto that is that we now can see what these metabolites are that our body is making and we can make some really cool plans moving forward with regards to how to either increase the superheroes or how we can actually 
really put those arch nemesis into place and make sure that, yes, they're there, but they don't become, you know, a key player in what's going on in our body. Mm. I'm so glad you said, yes, they're there because uh, a lot of people think um, less is more when it comes to the bad guys, but like in terms of elimination, that's like everyone's always trying to get rid of all of the bad guys, but actually... Could it be, and I think I know it is, um, that they're not bad kept in check? Mm. Yeah. And what are a couple of examples of that? Yeah. So even candida albicans is a classic one, so your classic candida sort of thrush that's in the gut. We know that it also does actually help to absorb and neutralise and support heavy metal toxicity. So it can actually have this wonderful impact and it can support us. It can also help to make some nutrients. But, of course, when the balance goes too far and that pendulum swings, then suddenly it's it's an all-out brewery going on in your gut and, mm. you know, you start yeah. making beers for the amount of alcohol that you're producing. And, and you know, I really want to get into that because it's a re- that's a cool example that we can talk about. But these metabolites, you know, we can... We often hear people talk about histamine responses and we know that our gut makes histamine, but also our gut consumes histamine. So Mm. we want the bacteria that does both. And we know that our gut can produce um, toxins that can cause our whole gut lining to be compromised. But we also know that our gut can produce um, a metabolite, for example, called GABA, which is a really lovely one, makes us all chilled out, balanced calm so it's such a it's such a cool thing to learn about ourselves it's um and what is our gut doing for us and how is it helping us so we need to understand I mean that's just such a small snapshot of what's happening we know that certain probiotics and bacteria strains can form certain metabolites and that can either support us or it can also it can cause things like acid in our bodies and more toxins. Mm. So, and this is why blindly taking a probiotic is not always a great idea, right? No, exactly. Mm. You could be causing more harm than mm. good. Oh, if, I know this happened to me yeah. before. My goodness. <laughs> I remember a well-meaning naturopath put me on the most potent, I think it was like 500 billion mm-hmm. uh, yada yadas yep. and yep. um I never felt as awful as I felt after that that emergency course of probiotics I was put on and I just thought surely and this it's not their fault it's because we're learning all the time and more isn't more either with the good guys yeah no exactly and and you've hit such a great um, point there in the fact that if you've got a complex issue you need to you know really hone in on the practitioner and at the moment, it's much easier back then when you ha- when you saw your practitioner, there wasn't an understanding about D-lactate-free probiotics. So you mm. would put on some D-lactate probiotics, which would have caused this enormous amount of acid to be dumped in your body. And you just didn't have the enzyme capability to neutralize that and to consume it. And so it was basically you had the feeling that you'd like done 17 million tennis rat matches in a row without any nutrition or sleep. So you just felt so terrible. And but now about we, 10 billion kilos of fibre that was just stuck in my stomach like yeah, a brick. Yeah, yeah. or <laughs> pregnant, with, pregnant with twins. Pretty much. So, yeah, so, you know, we know so much now and so seeking out a practitioner that really understands what's going on particularly for you and how to support your particular key issue 
and around supporting that gut microbiome is really key now and, and it's easy to choose that these days. Yeah, awesome. And just because you mentioned D-lactate free, can you just explain what that is to the people who don't know that that might be something they want? Yes. So probiotics are either D-lactate forming, which is once again a compound that happens when you have that probiotic and what happens with that fermentation process in your gut. So that D-lactate, we need enzymes to be able to downregulate that or just to consume it for our bodies to get rid of it. We don't, a lot of people haven't got that ability. And if we, if we don't have that ability, it just turns into yucky acid and we don't know what to do with it. Whereas mm-hmm. if we have probiotics that have L-lactate, then that converts into a lactic acid And the cool thing about that is our body knows what to do with that really well. Our body knows how to convert that into ATP, which is how we get energy. So Mm -hmm. two very different results from what we would consider a, a, you know, very inconspicuous bacteria strain can either create energy and make us feel awesome or could literally make us feel flat, fatigued, foggy brain, big swollen guts and really, really depleted with all of our resources. So, yeah, you want to be choosing bacteria strains that if you're new to probiotics or if you have a dysbiotic gut, so there's the balance in your gut is all out of whack, you want to be going the safe option, which is that L-lactate, those bacteria Mm. strains. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Okay. And so we... You you gave me the name of a few different ones that you wanted to speak about today and uh, LPS is on there and, of course, that's another acronym so people might not know what that means. Let's, <laughs> Don't let's, ask me to say all these long words, Alex. <laughs> let's start with that one and tell us all about it. Why do we need to know about it? Yeah, so basically we can see now when we get gut tests, which is very, very, very cool, when we analyse and sequence someone's um, stool we can see whether there's some inflammatory responses going on. And LPS is basically the shedding of the outside of the cell that when the cell has shed it or the bacteria has shed the outside, it actually causes an inflammatory response. And so that um, compound, that LPS compound gets into the bloodstream and then our immune system doesn't know what to do because, you know, what the hell is this? We get all inflamed in our gut. And then, of course, our detoxification pathways need to be absolutely tip-top to get that out of our system. And that's mm. a lot for our bodies to do. Mm. And so, if oh, Especially you, in the modern world context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so if you have something going on in your gut, so say you've got an overgrowth of a specific bacteria strain or you've got some parasites or some worms or you've got some streptococcus in your small intestine, that's going to create an environment where there's going to be this shedding and you're going to see a lot of this LPS and there's going to be some big inflammatory responses going on. So it's a great marker because there's nothing worse than, you know, I just don't understand why am I getting all this bloating and diarrhea and I don't understand why I feel so crap and I can't think straight. There's nothing better than seeing that LPS marker and going, oh, I understand why now. I have this big, big environment or big toxin inside my body that my body is trying to manage. 
Yeah. And, and so when you say marker, you're obviously talking about a kind of test where we can see this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What testing are you a fan of at the moment when it comes to the gut? Yeah, so it's it's individual, so depending on what's going on with that person. But when we talk about metabolites and these markers, I am such a fan of the microba testing. So they have been able to really drill down and look at the who's who in the zoo, so being able to look at who's living in there, and then also then looking at what are they doing for you. So are they benefiting you or are you having this, um, you know, big inflammatory response? So microba, I really love that. And it is so user-friendly. It's, you don't have to collect a whole ice cream bucket of stool and, you know, <laughs> shove it into it's it. the most user-friendly <laughs> poop test, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and put on them. Like that was the whole point of them sort of busting out onto the scene was to like normalising that you should be checking your poo like six months to every year and it should be just as much of a marker and a barometer as getting your bloods done and let's make it easier. So, yeah, you just need a little brush and you just get a small sample rather than the big um, the big tub. It always ends up being warm and awkward, so it's just much better. But I also like the complete microbial um, analysis, so CMM, and that that sort of plays out a little bit more in looking at what's happening in that small intestine. It has a, it helps us a bit more to understand any bacterial overgrowths. So once again, you know, understanding that health history and what's going on and those symptoms will eventually guide what tests you want. But I'm loving the microba for the understanding these metabolites and these toxins that we're dealing with. Mm. And uh, LPS is looking like it has an impact on cognitive decline as well, potentially, and chronic inflammation, which is why I'm quite interested in it. Um, and then you also mentioned anxiety, depression, even autoimmune conditions. Uh, so how do we broach a conversation with our practitioner on this? Because that's very new science and if we thought about that making its way into a lecture theatre in a university where a young GP is training to become a doctor, I'm betting that that's not part of the conversation yet, uh, which is, of course, a massive shame. But is this for then us to become literate enough to almost guide our own practitioners or allow them to um, kind of get a window into this stuff and then work with us to understand yeah. it better yeah it's tricky isn't it mm. because just touching on what you were just saying before I mean LPS and the research has been linked to fatty liver disease and diabetes and insulin resistance Crohn's disease like there's just great huge. literature yeah. there and we know how to modulate that around sugar and um, creating a different microbiome so um, there's enough literature there that we feel really, really sound about making choices, about discussing this with our practitioner. Um, mm. And so number one, if you've got a wonderful practitioner that's just been with you through thick and thin, there's um, it's a delicate balance. You don't want to be printing out everything from PubMed and rocking up with the, you know, with <laughs> your files. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's important to 
discuss it with them. And I suppose there comes back to that final empowerment of yourself that if you're not getting the, the care that you need, you, you can access these tests like the microbe test yourself. You don't need to go through a practitioner, mm. but um, you need someone to read it for you. So, But you can learn so much on these um, different types of compounds and what they do. But the causal links are there and how much they weaken the immune system and deplete the immune system. So that's a tricky one, Alex. Mm, it is I tricky. Mean, I'm yeah. trying to be very um, PC, but it, <laughs> I would just, I would just love um, to have that collaborative approach with um, your practitioner about, hey, guess what? I've learned this, and let's discover this together. Mm. And there be that curious collaborative approach of learning. That's the end game of where we yeah. want to get to. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and I think uh, it's. It really comes down to those the chronic patients are the ones who often become the great teachers of their practitioners because I mean I I remember at one point I had naturopaths texting me saying okay I'm getting more and more mold people like what can I tell them to do where can I tell them to go I'm not trained in this what kind of testing can I and I'm like okay educate yourself on the oat test uh, and how to read it, take a couple of seminars online because that's going to really show you just how sick they are from it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I was just saying this on my solo show last week, I think it's really important to know that you are in charge of building your health team. Your health team is not in charge of you. Uh, it's really important that you very openly and uh, from an empowered standpoint choose people based on their openness and their ability to work with you, especially if you're a tough cookie to crack yeah. health-wise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We must have both been on the same field. I did a solo show on my podcast just recently. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, just, I was driving out to a, um, a hike I just did and I was musing on all things, you know, it was a nine-hour drive. There's a lot going on in my brain for mm-hmm. nine hours on my own. And I just kind of did a bit of a journal dump, but dictified it. And, and it was exactly that. Like you, you are an intelligent person. You have the ability to solve problems by, you know, sourcing the people that you need and to be able to find, you might not know the ins and outs, but you can find the right people, the right testing, the right solutions and find the crew to piece the puzzles together. And, um, and I, it's just something that I'm so proud of at Culture Wellness is we respectfully talk to our people and make an assumption that they absolutely are across it and understand it and can unpack this new knowledge that we've got and not make the assumption that like, oh, that's too much for you to handle or, mm. you know, this is over your head. I, I've literally had a few of those consults where, you know, this this is a bit over your head, this understanding, and, and this is way, way back when, you know. And oh, oh yeah, same. And I tiny. think, you know, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's like explaining to kids about additives and good guys, bad guys in the gut. You know, tell them the whole picture. Do it in language that's, you know, going to be appropriate for the age. But if you tell them everything, they're going to feel so much more empowered and, and accepting of what needs to be done to fix it, yeah. just like a patient. Yes, exactly. Mm. And and then you've got this collaborative approach of this to and froing of, oh, but maybe we need to go and find out from this person or maybe this is the next thing we need to do together as a team. It's always better when you collaborate in these two minds together. So, and And I do feel like healthcare will come to that because 
we can't sort of be in those dark ages of practitioners. Um, well, I, I have all the power and no one else has the knowledge. I was the only one who ever had this knowledge shared with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, PubMed's kind of put that to, to bed. So, yeah. you know, we, we, we really can empower ourselves and it's, it's a great space to be in, a mm. great space to be in. You just don't want to take it too far, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that's be, true. Don't want to be self-diagnosing yourself or no. um, complex blood tests without that, uh, a, you know, qualification and without that ability to do it. But, yeah, someone who's said yeah. a good few biochemistry lectures is a really important <laughs> person to have on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just think it's a wonderful situation that we're in. But, yeah, um, and also, you know, getting back to the LPS, when, when the when information is so clear about, okay, I've got metabolic disease, I don't, but I'm sort of, you know, pondering going, okay, I've got metabolic disease or I've got diabetes in the family, and here I am with a result that's saying my LPS is high. And there's mm. a link there. So let's let's get on to finding out how that happened, why that happened, and how do we change that around. Yeah, because uh, sugar and refined carbs are obviously two of the big um, guys implicated in a high LPS. Yeah. But so is saturated fats. Talk me through that. Yeah, so the jury is out on that one. So it's interesting mm. that a lot of the literature talks about the saturated fats. But the I question the quality of those studies because the saturated fats that they used in those studies were corn oils and inflammatory oils. And so um, very, very different than the fats that you would use in a whole foods diet. Yeah. And also the fats. Which just happens again and again in these studies, isn't it? It's like they deduce that red meat is going to be bad for your colon, but then you look at the average um, person that was in that study and it's hot dogs and yeah. uh, burgers with tons of white bread buns and, yeah. uh, you know, vegetable oil mayos and you just think, yeah. no. Yeah, we, and deep We fried. need better research. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I I need to see clearer research on that. The person that were in in the cohort in that one particular study that really sort of opened this up. People were on sugar, carbohydrates, a standard American diet. They were on those things, yeah, and they researched the saturated fats. Gotcha. So they didn't take out the big guns. Sugar so they were still stuff. eating Oreos and cheesy puffs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then let's measure whether it's the saturated fat. So yeah. I just I just would like to see more information. What yeah, we see, enough. yeah, what we see coming through is um, you know, we encourage really good quality fats in um, you know, the diets of our patients that we work with and we see their LPS come down significantly keeping those good quality fats in. But mm-hmm their sugars drop, their carbohydrates drop, we add diversity and we make huge changes to the gut. So from what we can see on our end, it's, um, it's, it's more about the sugar, carbohydrates, in the lifestyle, what else is going on in that gut rather than just that one thing. Yeah, because you also mentioned parasites and bacteria in your notes. Um, so, yeah, changing that microbiome and addressing any critters that shouldn't be making a home in there is obviously yeah. always going to be a yeah. really big win. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
And we've got to make sure that the mechanisms for actually utilising those fats, the gallbladder, for example, and the liver, uh, are they actually up to scratch? Mm. And was that factored into the studies as well? Because that's going to play a huge part Mm. in what's going on if they're not working effectively as well. And what I thought was really cool in the research that you sent across was that vagal nerve stimulation, exercise and meditation can modulate your LPS level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I could spend all day doing all three of those just Mm. in rotation. Absolutely. So they modulate and, well, they actually support the vagus nerve to do its Mm -hmm. job. So just a quick background on the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is basically this wandering nerve throughout our whole body and it sends us, well, it measures a signal. So it starts obviously in our brain and it goes down and senses with the rest of our body, are we safe? Is everything cool? Are we okay? And once it's gone down and censored that in your body, it sends the signal back to the brain to go, yep, all cool or okay, there's all-out World War III going on down there and we need to be on high alert. There's a big problem. There's an LPS complete, you know, toxic soup going on there. So we need to be in a state of fight or flight. Mm. We can't digest our food. We can't move, have any of that motility to yeah. move. We don't have time for this. No, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> We've got time to run away. Go, go, go. Warning, <laughs> <laughs> warning, all of those things. So, yeah. so that vagus nerve, if that's not sending the right signals to the brain, it doesn't matter what you try, you are not going to lower that um, inflammatory response because the vagus nerve is designed to embark and set up an inflammatory response if it thinks it's unsafe. And so it's that whole nervous system response and it's the same with you know breathing and meditation. We know we can drop that nervous system response in like three really awesome breaths. And suddenly we are dropping our body out of that fight or flight and we're starting to reduce that inflammatory response. So, yeah, it's, um, it's very powerful what you can do and what you can change, but specifically the vagus nerve and when we know so much about how important it is to have proper evacuation and proper motility and the vagus nerve is so important in that aspect. Um, we, we want that vagus nerve to be working for us. So, yes, we sing nonstop and we gargle and we do everything that tells that, you know, vagus nerve, keep, keep going, be more flexible, keep working for us. Mm. Well, someone who's singing isn't someone who's stressed, is, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I always like, and it, it's funny, you know, the singing aspect of, which, by the way, guys, is a way to stimulate your vagus nerve and keep it healthy. Um, my son's barometer is him singing in the shower. And I know he's stressed or upset if there's no singing when he's in the shower. And I know that means, okay, we've got to have a chat. I'm going to see what's up with this little guy because uh, if he's singing, he's relaxed. And I think that's quite a nice little metaphor for um, for vagus nerve health yeah. to remind us all to sing. Yeah, Absolutely. And someone, some of the great thinkers in the vagus nerve space, like, you know, one of their prescriptions that they write down is go and join a choir. Like, mm. I love it. I love it so much. It's such a great community-based approach. Mm. You're filling up your cup on so many different levels, not only your vagus 100%. nerve, but, you know, community and 
trying something new and just stepping out and being, you know, external to yourself and what's going on. It's just, it's a really cool thing to do. Absolutely. I often attribute being a member of a choir and a concert band and a jazz band and all those things as a teenager is how I survived my teenage years mm. intact. Mm. And there's just, there's just such a deep sense of belonging when you come together and make something beautiful with people. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. I love that. See, gut bugs, choirs. Yeah. They have, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we managed to link it back. <laughs> it is just a perfect segue. I don't see why many people don't go there. <laughs> well, we went there today. So maybe we need a, a low-tox choir. Who knows? Oh, yes, I would love that. Oh, please do. Please. Too funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so other things to talk about. I want to talk about sulfides with Sulf- a D. Oh, a lot of people know sulfite, very yeah. common and unfortunate preservative used in all sorts of uh, modern ultra-processed foods, but sulfides. Yeah. So sulfides are another metabolite that you're going to see coming from a dysbiosis in the gut. So it's the final product from that fermentation from specific bacteria. And those specific bacteria are often ones that uh, metabolize protein or infections that you've got. And so it can really cause bowel concerns when you've once again got too many of those sulfides. So you can, you know, we have that from sulfur foods, for example, you know, onions and eggs and everyone's had that situation where they've burped up like a sulfur burp or they've had it out the other end and like I've had some pretty horrific um, things happen when I've been travelling and (laughs) it's for Shigiardia and you're like, oh, that smell. Like it's a Mm. very particular sulphur smell. Yeah. And all the travellers will absolutely, you know, remember that. and 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we know that that's fine. If we have that beautiful balance, we are absolutely going to produce that in our gut because we want onions and garlics and eggs and all of those foods in our diet. But if we have an overgrowth of some of those sulfur, sulfide forming bacteria, that's when the trouble starts because it is associated with inflammatory bowel disorder. And it is associated with some of those metabolic conditions and once again, diabetes and some of those conditions that, you know, we really don't want to be um, dealing with. So we want to make sure once again, that if we are having those, you know, gas explosions, if we feel like, yeah, I just cannot handle onions and garlics and eggs and it just makes me feel so gross and I feel like I'm burping up this kind of thing then let's be curious about that and find out why. What bacteria am I missing that should be consuming that? And what's going on with my detoxification pathway that's not helping me eliminate that compound rather than let's just cut all those foods out of my diet so I, and I'll never eat them again or just you know throwing your hands in the air and just getting nicknames like stinky butt. So you want to move forward, want to move forward a little bit from those. Yeah, we things. don't want to get that nickname. So no, 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 no. It's fine when you're a 13 year old boy, but I think after that, you can't yeah, pass that. So. so what gut bugs help us eat the sulfides or process them? Yeah, so it's going to be all of your beneficial um, bacteria. So you know any of the bacteroides that we can see, and we can go through some of those beautiful, great bacteria strains. 
Um, you know, we can also see that we can consume them through uh, acomancia and once again, keeping that balance right of getting those sulfur-consuming ones. So we know the bacteroidy ones are really good at mm-hmm. consuming that sulfur as well. Mm. But and, we want oh, yeah. That, yeah, well, we just want that liver to work. We want. Mm, I was going to say because often when we aren't um, absorbing our minerals through foods and mm. things mm. and we have low molybdenum levels, yeah. then we can end up not being able to process the sulfides. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And B6 is a really big one as well. Mm, huge. With that as, yeah. So it's just this really complex picture of, of ticking off so many boxes of, with regards to pathways of detoxification and so also elimination through stool and through urine and so forth because the kidneys are involved as well in that process. Yeah. So going back to the fact that this is a complete picture it's not just in isolation that yeah. you need to look at these things. No body, no, what is it? No system works alone in yeah. the body. Yeah. 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 So important to just mm-hmm. to learn the, the microscopic aspects of why things might not be right, but then to look at the big picture as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, Again, do we look at some of those stool testing options to know where we're at with those? Exactly, yeah. You'll know because it is a gassy one that you can smell. Mm-hmm. But um, it is, you know, it's nice to see how what is that level and you can do that through testing. You can see how much it is taking over what's going on in your gut. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the next one I wanted to talk to you about is beta-glucuronidase. So Mm. what uh, would lead a person symptomatically to feel like they might need to investigate that one? Well, this is is the unsung hero, and I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's not often seen as something that you can see in a stool test, and it's not often talked about, but most of the crew that listen to you and I and join us on our adventures, most of our um, audience are female and understanding your beta-glucuronidase levels is absolutely paramount. And it will be even more paramount if you have cycle issues, if you have got hormone issues, if you've got especially heavy periods, if you've got acne, if you've got mood issues, imbalances, basically any issues with regards to any cycle, but also um, what we're seeing a lot, and Alex, you've done such an amazing job in this space about this, you know, estrogen-related issues. And, you know, we see so many of that estrogen mimicking going on. And so estrogen dominance that we hear a lot about now, we need to understand this beta-glucuronidase level and anxiety and depression. It's a really big one. So what we see is this beta-glucuronidase is telling us is are we able to detoxify, consume, and get rid of our hormones effectively? Now, if we see that it's not in that perfect Goldilocks, because we want to see Goldilocks there, we want to see it at just the right level. If we see that we've got too much or too little, there's an imbalance going on. So we often have, you know, well, my, my hormones seem to be okay, but I'm having all of these problems or my bloods are going fine. I don't see what the issue is. But 
you know, we often know that it's it's pretty cool to see what are you actually eliminating or what is your body holding on to. Mm. And, and so, this is this is where something like a, a metabolite test, like the Dutch test for hormones, can be a really good idea, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. So you can, I mean, the Dutch test is. I think every female on the planet should get it start from about 16 years old. But, you know, yeah. someone, someone fund that, please. In a perfect uh, world, this yes. would be Medicare funded. Yes, yeah. mm. yes, along with your gut tests every mm. year. Things would be so Oh, different. my gosh, could you imagine? Oh, <laughs> it's, my, it's my retirement <laughs> advocacy role. I'm yeah. going for so that is my retirement. When my kids grow up and move out, I'm, I'm going for Medicare. I like it. <laughs> I want these things because, you know, you and I both, I'm sure we're in the same picture that when I was 16 and just had such big cycle issues, if I had been um, advised to do a Dutch test and a stool test, I wouldn't have been on the pill for 10 years. Mm. You know, mm. like there was just it, the trajectory of exactly. what I was advised and, cho- and chose. So completely different. So completely so different. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. So we want to know what we're excreting and we want to know whether there's a balance in that. And certainly when it comes to estrogen dominance, that's um, basically our body just can't get rid of and and can't metabolize and excrete the estrogen. And it's not just from coming through your pathways and coming through your liver. It also has to actually exit your body via being absorbed through that fiber and Mm -hmm. moving out through our stools. And so we know about the estrobilome, which is this subset within our gut microbiome that has a huge part to play in that estrogen detoxification and understanding about this hormone imbalance and the key part of beta-glucuronidase. But, yeah, I mean, even the fact that we can see neurological imbalances and and more toxicity within the body Mm. just from that enzyme not working effectively, it's... We, sh- we just shouldn't be putting up with it. We, yeah. we want to know and we want it to be there. And so if someone wanted to test that enzyme function, what's mm. the best test? Yeah. So once again, that's certainly in the microbial one. Yeah. So you won't find that in a naturopath, like a CMM test. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that one in your microba. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the, the best place to start because you can get so much more information, not just beta-glucuronidase. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to ask then, um, I guess, what would what would really help someone feel like, okay, I just learned about LPS and beta-glucuronidase and um, sulfides um, and I think I might have some of the issues attached to this or I think I might want to bring this into my investigation picture what uh, is the first step someone can take? Can like, how do we reach out to a practitioner who's going to know about this stuff if we don't already have one? And what should we prioritize in testing if we have to be mindful of budget? Or can we actually start looking at diet supplementation and a few experiments uh, that would be part of our um, household budget right now anyway? if money's just not, it's just not an option to test at all. Yeah, yeah. So many questions. I know, sorry, but I just I just wanted to give you the big picture yes. so that we could go in for a big, strong finish. So yes. first step, you've yeah. got your practitioner. 
Uh, well, I actually, I want to go back actually mm-hmm. because you made such a great comment there about um, budget yeah. and all of these tests that we're talking about costs. Mm. You know, and I, and once again, Medicare, if you're listening, just saying. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, let's not forget that we've already talked about sugar, processed foods, stress levels, you know, big time carbohydrates, all of those things. If you go and see a practitioner or if you go and get your test results, that is going to be the first thing that they're going to tell you to do. And just bypass that and get started on that straight away. And it will not cost you a thing. So I really love when we have patients come to see us at Culture Wellness and they, they know that that's going to be what we're going to ask them to do straight away. So that's not going to be the best use of their consult time is us telling them what what, what is pretty common knowledge now. So I would say, number one, if you feel like this is going on for you, then Go number one with have you eliminated processed foods? Have you eliminated the sugars? Have you gone more towards focusing on vegetables and focusing on beautiful quality proteins? How's your sleep going? Pull, you know, pull your socks up a little bit and get that balanced first and ride with that for about three months and see how you're feeling. Step away from another episode of Shits Creek and go to bed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah pretty much and yeah. not on your laptop in your bed at yeah night no 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 yeah yeah, no, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, most people would be really surprised that that's actually enough and so we don't often need the the big costing consults and the big tests um, if we haven't addressed that first mm. now if you've addressed that first you've given it longevity and you've given it time for it to work so what are you talking with time to- yeah, like three months. Okay, you'd three wanna, months. You'd want to be on. Yep, you want to be onto it for three months. So. so you are not a tough cookie that needs to go see someone and do a ton of expensive investigating. Yet, especially if you haven't done a solid three months of the basic lifestyle changes. Yeah, yeah, because there's nothing worse than going and finally getting in to see the practitioner of your dreams, and they just say, "Change your diet, please." Mm. Like, oh. Are you meditating every day? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, and oh, so you, damn it. I thought oh, you were no. going to tell me to take something and it'll all go away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's not the kind of practitioner that you want to be working with where it's just here's, here's the supplement to plug the hole. Mm. So after that point, if you still have things going on, then yes, then you, you go for those tests if budgets allow. And you would have saved all that money on the processed food in those three months anyway. So you've got the cash to do the tests. It's and, great. And, and your Netflix subscription as yep. well. And your wine. Oh, my you gosh, know. you're saving so much money. I yep. tell you, if people just didn't buy alcohol for three months, they would be able to afford a, a, a gut test or whatever, whatever their little thing is that they get. You could absolutely, absolutely count those pennies and um, you'd be there for sure. All right. So if you've done your three months and you still have concerns and it hasn't been ironed out yet, well, then, yes, you need to go and find a practitioner that's going to work with you and get those tests done. But the beautiful Mm. thing about that is that you now have something to work with and to um, troubleshoot and to work out with your practitioner as opposed to, 
well, I don't know how I feel because I eat chocolate and have wine every night. Like I, I, there's no assessment there. So you can get in to see your dream practitioner and start to troubleshoot these issues. So, and, you know, your practitioner will say, look, let's, let's order a Dutch test or let's get a microbe test or a CMM test. And you can really work out what are these inflammatory toxins that are happening within my gut. So it's just such a cool thing that you can do. But I understand that not everyone can save up their pennies and not everyone can squeeze the budget, even though they might be, um, you know, saving on all the processed foods that they normally eat or saving. Oh, well, it's a real problem, isn't it? Yeah. The lack of access to healthcare based on the lack of investigative healthcare that's free through um, Medicare systems is a huge issue. A huge issue. And so you've, you've got to go out alone. You've got to do this investigation and, and find out for yourself and be in tune with yourself with how you're feeling. And so, yes, if you can't squeeze the budget, then I highly, highly recommend that you see a practitioner that has a wealth of experience in how the gut behaves, how these bacteria strains behave, how these infections behave, how these overgrowths behave, And they can see that from a health history. And so they can make some really solid quality treatment plans and judgments on from their experience and what they see day in, day out in their clinic. So, you know, eventually you can save up to get the test or you can make some great changes and you can start to see, you know, your gut balance out and you can start to see these toxins balancing out in your body. But yeah, like a, a great someone who understands the gut and knows what they're doing and you know i you know i can take a health history and almost absolutely 100% know from the person's behavior their symptoms and what's going on and historically what's happened for them you can almost a bit like a game i can see who's who in their gut back in their test results and what they're doing and why they're behaving a certain way and and how they're either causing anxiety or causing chronic arthritic pain and so forth you can get once you've been you know sort of investigating and seeing these things for so long you can you can really get to the nitty-gritty of it yeah so it's so important to audition your healthcare team isn't it yeah Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely and and they should want to be working for you and collaboratively with you to make sure that, that you're getting the outcome and you want a practitioner that says, like, what are your health goals? Mm. You know, what do you want to do What yeah. after this? Like what's your goal that's your big dream? And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest, for example. It can just be playing with your grandkids at the playground. It can just be anything. But, you know, finding a practitioner that asks those key questions, that's what does this mean to you and how can we get there? Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. And uh, from what we've talked about, it really does sound like some of the biggest winners are looking after our vagus nerve. So whether we decide to start omming and meditating and chanting or joining a choir, uh, there are actually some fantastic YouTube tutorials, all sorts of exercises that you can do to get your vagus nerve um, working with you. Gargling is a really big one. That's mm-hmm. Super simple. Um, I think refined carbs and excess sugars, obviously just a no-brainer these days. Uh, we all know that. Um, if you had to add something in 
what would be your favourite thing to add in in the food game rather than all the things we have to take away? And because I think something that you said earlier really resonated with me, so many people, it's such a freaking common thing that you hear of these people having to eliminate like 50 billion amazing foods that should actually be doing wonders for you and yet currently they're exacerbating your condition for whatever reason, like um, with the sulphur-containing foods, for example, when we talked about sulphides. Um, Rather than thinking about what we could introduce to improve our gut population and uh, actually start processing these incredible, abundant, nutritious foods better. Yeah. So, of course, I'm going to say fermented foods. I know you were going to say. It was a a bit of a planted question, i got to say. But, you know, I really did want to finish there because that's what you specialise in. It's your wheelhouse. Oh, my gosh. Like, Mm. absolutely fermented foods. And let's just circle right back around to the start of this podcast where we talked about making the choice about the kinds of bacteria strains that are going to serve you with those probiotics and those fermented foods. For example, the L-lactate ones that are going to turn into energy and make you feel amazing. So you want to incorporate fermented foods. They completely change the pH, the environment. They help you digest foods that you otherwise possibly couldn't eat once you've fermented them. And they repopulate. They really help you to get at the chain or to have take the change that you need. So I would start there. I would definitely start wisely with that. So I'm uh, glad you said wisely because fermented foods can sometimes be a bit like probiotics, right? Yeah. I mean, I've heard and we've talked about this in the Low Tox Club membership where uh, people are like, I don't get it. I buy two different brands of coconut yogurt. One makes me feel like trash and yeah. the other one I do really well on. So yeah, yeah. not and all the- fermented foods that are awesome. No, and they're not all created equal. And so some are going to, so traditionally a lot of coconut yogurts and yogurts use the strept- streptococcus thermiasis strain to ferment them out. Not many people can handle that strain and can consume it and can um, get rid of it. So, yeah, you want to be choosing coconut yogurts that have got strains in them that you know are going to benefit your immune system, they're going to benefit your digestion, they don't have sugars, they don't have emulsifiers, they don't have thickeners. And often you do, you have to make it at home yourself whilst you're embarking on this new adventure of learning what can my body handle and what, what you know, can, what do I need to just press pause on? So, you know, we have these wild ferments like sauerkraut, for example, where you literally have no idea what strains are in there because it's it's from it's from the air, it's from the soil, it's from the brine. Oh gosh, and didn't I learn that the hard yes. way? <laughs> Department years ago, yeah. sourdough, and I nearly died just yeah. sniffing it to check if it was ready to use. Yeah, that I, I honestly believe that was one of the big turnaround moments where I started getting chronic sinusitis infections and all sorts. So you really don't want to just go um, go in blind. Uh, and I would recommend uh, we have your amazing cultures, for example, for sale on our website. Um, and all the details are in the show notes as well, where you guys can access um, them. And I mean, your resources are fantastic, Kirst. So I would recommend everybody just start to just dig into that subject a little more and get to know your ferments better because they really definitely are not created equal. 
No, no. And it, it does. It upsets me when people are, oh, I can't handle ferments. Mm. But no, let's, let's find the right strains, the right ones that support you. Let's start really low and slow. Really, like we have some people that start on like a quarter of a teaspoon because that's all that their detoxification system can handle and that's all that their gut can handle. That's cool. You know, you get there in the end. It just takes time and persistence and, and once again, knowing what's going to support you. But, yes, adding in the fermented foods is the mm. absolute way to go. And it's, um, it's cruel, isn't it, because often the people with the biggest issues, the most complex issues, the people who have been sick the longest want the most and so they're yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm just going to have half a cup of this stuff just to. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's I like know. actually the sicker you are often the less you should start with of anything really, yeah. supplements, yeah. any kind of protocol. Yeah, and that's where it gets tricky because, you you know, lots of people we see are in that tricky space where they their food is quite limited mm. and it's like, but this is one food I can have. Why can't I just eat more of it to fill up my day or to, you yeah. know, not have to worry, oh, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat next? So yeah, patience is yeah. a virtue oh. in chronic health yes. issues. Oh. Yeah, it really is. So yeah. a big, deep breath to everyone out there who's been struggling. Hopefully today's show gives you a few little juicy extra nuggets to investigate uh, and remember just tick those basic lifestyle factors really make sure that you are um, getting in that meditation time getting in that vagus nerve training you know hit the youtube tutorials if you need some help there uh, mm-hmm. and and really looking at that beautiful whole foods diet and if for now your SOS is eliminating quite a few foods before you then start to look at how you can bring them back, that's fine, but just make sure you're not eliminating great foods and keeping the sugar and the refined carbs because they do okay for you. They've really got to go. <laughs> so uh, sorry. Oh, that's just, oh, Alex, that's me with the Oh, but the shortbreads are gluten-free and I don't <laughs> seem to have diarrhea afterwards, so it should mm, be okay. Whereas terrible. I was petrified yeah. of, you know, introducing broccoli. I mm. mean, for goodness sakes, it just just so out of whack, completely we out, are of, out of whack. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why we need to know this stuff it, at the basic level. A few key names and a good couple of tests or a great practitioner can really help move the needle. So thank you so much for jumping back on. I thought this research was really interesting and you were, of course, the person that sprung to mind to talk about it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at lowtoxlife, or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks 
and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in. Should go.